Welcome to another episode of the Cool Tools Show and Tell. Our special guest this week is Rolf Potts, someone that I have been in communication for a very long time. We're first meeting right now face-to-face via the technologies of Zoom. So, um, Rolf, would you introduce yourself to our listeners and watchers? Yeah, I'm Rolf Potts. I'm a travel writer and author. Uh, I've written five books, the most well-known of which is called Vagabonding, An Uncommon Guide to the Art of Long-Term World Travel, which is my first book, and it came out almost 20 years ago. Uh, And my new book is called The Vagabond's Way, which is a daily reading book, uh, one page for each day of the year, a meditation uh, and quote about travel and the various aspects of travel. Well, I hope we can get to talk about your book at the end, but let's hear about what your um, suggested tools. What's something that you'd find hard to live without? Well, I'm going to start with a service called Airtrex, uh, airtrex.com. It's actually been around since the 80s um, as a tool that can help you plan around the world in multi-stop flights. So instead of just having an out and back flight or a, you know, a, a multi-prong flight, you can plan up to 25 legs of a flight at airtrex.com. Um, and it's a great service. I, I, I took a trip this summer that I used it for. I took a tra- trip around the world in 2019 that I used it for. And there's a couple different ways you can use it. One, you can just go to airtrex.com and just sort of tinker. I, I do this all the time without ordering a ticket. Basically, it's like if I want to go you know, from Kansas where I live to South America to a couple stops in Africa and then a couple stops in Central Asia and then back to Europe and back to Kansas, is that possible and how much does it cost? Um, and you can you can waste a half a day with that trip planning tool online. They also uh, have representatives. Uh, it's sort of a company by travelers for travelers. The, the CEO, Sean Keener, I've known for 20 years or more. Um, and so it really allows you to, to plan these extended long-term trips under one, trick, uh, un, under one itinerary. Uh, and so you have support for all the legs of the flight. Uh, and so, for example, this summer, uh, I went from... Denver to Paris by way of London and then to Norway into the Faroe Islands and then back to Denver by way of London. It's, it's sort of a weird itinerary, but I was able to plan it with the help of Airtrex uh, and with one basic support. Any questions, I call them to help me with the itinerary. I did a similar trip around the world, uh, LA to Sumatra to Sri Lanka to Dubai to the Republic of Georgia and then back to the United States. Wow. Um, so so yeah. um, you could do this with you know, Google or just just booking your flights individually. Is the advantage here that you're just sort of buying one ticket or you're just paying one agency and then they sub out the tickets? How does that actually work? Well, it's like all the support is one under one umbrella. If you have any changes or issues, if you need to change some dates, then you just talk to one person. Uh, my wife was sort of trying to do this, this Norway Faroe Islands trip sort of piecemeal, like you can do these days. Um, but we sort of found out that we weren't really saving any more money by by putting our own itineraries. And, and if there, there are any problems, then these itineraries could be at odds with each other. Uh, so in, right. in effect, we had one, um, I forget what they call it at Airtrex, basically your travel counselor that you can call and they I can- see. They can actively make the changes for you. We didn't have to do any. When I went around the world three years ago, I did have to make some changes. And so it was nice to just have one contact to- for a very complicated itinerary. Um, right. And I mean, they used to call them travel agents. Um, yeah. In the old days. So it's like a travel agent. And, um, but, but again, you're, you're just, you're just paying one fee up front for the, um, for the whole itinerary. And they are then, you know, paying the airlines individually, bit, you know, uh, piece by piece. Right. 
Yeah. And they can usually get wholesale prices, for example. Mm. And so they have like a travel. It's so funny that travel agents are such a like thing of the 80s or 90s. I haven't yeah. thought about travel travel agents in a long time. But like a travel agent, they're able to get special fares. Uh, and then they do all of the basically the, they're the in-between between you and the airlines. And so if you have a problem, you just go to them and they'll take care of it. So yeah. it's it's a really nice service for the, for these complicated uh, travel itineraries. And you're saying that that their fees are sort of in some ways compensated by the bargain that they might get. So they really may not be that much more expensive than booking it yourself. Correct. The, the idea is that it's actually you could probably get it cheaper, especially for complicated routes. Um, you know, I always encourage people to do their research. You can you can do some comparison shopping, go to other online booking services and see if you can compete. But for for the the convenience and the, the elegance of having a one person that you go to to make changes, it's a pretty great deal. Uh, I'm, I'm sure in some itineraries, you can maybe find a few ways to save a few hundred dollars. But um, man, it's super simple and I really enjoy using it. And Again, is this something that has a web interface or is this primarily where you are talking to a person and they're working through all the possibilities with you on the phone or with on Zoom or something like that? It's both, but I use the web interface first because it allows me to sort of tinker around mm-hmm. um, and I can spend hours just sort of hypothesizing. Just it, it allows you to put in up to 25 stops on an international itinerary. And so I'll just sort of tinker around, see how much stuff costs. And then once I'm serious about it, usually I'll start with the website, see what it comes up with. And then then I'll call and see if if the people, if the travel advisor, I should probably remember what they're called, um, if they can if they can do better than what the website itself can do. So it, it's sort of like the best of both worlds. You have the website where you can sort of tinker around with their, without really committing to anything. Right. And then once you get a sense for things, you can call a person who is who will sort of oversee your trip right. uh, as it plays out. And uh, presumably the 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 price of the ticket sort of increases with the number of stops you have, not necessarily the distance. It, it can, but another thing too is that often it goes through hubs. And so if like, you know, I flew to Sumatra, there's not a lot of direct Los Angeles to Sumatra flights. So they, I think they had me going through Hong Kong. Uh, and so oftentimes, oftentimes, you know, they'll say, would you like to spend a week in Singapore while you're going to this part of the world? Right. You know, I know you have these stops, but you, you'll actually save a couple hundred bucks if you don't mind spending a week in Singapore, for example. And what's the week? Why a week? Just that you need a certain amount of time in the stop to qualify for the. I, I would suspect it has to do with airline pricing. And just sort of the idea that places like Singapore or Hong Kong mm. or Japan are hubs. And so if if these certain flights can align, then you get a better fare uh, like a week later if you don't mind killing time. And, you know, they don't force you to do it, but it's like, well, if you want to save $400, why don't you just stay in Singapore for a week? And then right. this will be cheaper and you can make these other connections you were talking about. Well, this is such, such a fabulous tool. I'm just already dreaming of stuff. Um, and I presume that they have access to all the kind of internal domestic airlines within a country, right? I mean, if you're doing like flying within China or whatever, they're, 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 it's not just international flights to the capital cities. They do. And also, you're not required to to have an unbroken string of flights. Like if you want to take a train from Beijing to Lombator or Beijing to Moscow, then they'll just leave that off and you can pick up the itinerary in Moscow and and fly to Italy from there. Right. Um, And so it it really allows you to sort of um, 
you know, uh, choose your own adventure, quite literally. Uh, and like when I was flying home from uh, from the Faroe Islands this summer, I realized that I had to get back to a studio to record the audiobook version of The Vagabond's Way. And so I just bought I just bought a, a ticket straight home to Kansas from the airport, um, not with the help of, of Airtrex, um, but I just for a couple hundred bucks, I was able to sort of break off my Airtrex itinerary to get home uh, a day or a couple of days earlier so I could get in the studio and start recording. Wow. Wow. It's a fantastic tool. Thank you. Um, I didn't know anything about that and it looks very useful. Um, Airtrex. Okay. So um, what's the second tool, Rolf? Well, the second tool is actually when I took that Airtrex itinerary around the world in 2019, I, I took one bag. Uh, and one one thing about travel bags, and you still see this, especially young, among Europeans for some reason, travelers will travel with a backpack that they might use to hike the yeah. Rocky Mountain Trail or the Appalachian Trail. It's basically, it's a pack that has been made for trail hiking, but not necessarily for international travel. Uh, and so I used, uh, actually all the travel products I'm talking about are from people I know, people I've been in touch with either because of my uh -huh. book or before my book. And, and so this is a, called a Tortuga. This is a Tortuga set out. Um, I think there's a newer model now. Could you show it even more in front of you? Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Okay. So, so it's, it's, it's a it's kind of a large single bag, not a lot of internal pockets. Right. Yeah. There's not a lot of hangy offy pockets for yeah, your yeah. water water bottle. It's very simple. It can fit in an overhead bin. I traveled around the world for three months with this very pack, and. Yeah, it doesn't have those things that are made for camping, um, you know, like a sleeping bag container or whatever, because usually you're renting rooms as you travel around the world. And this is 30 liters. And so I can, so I never checked bags. I went around the world without checking a single bag once. And of course, it, it disciplines you into, into packing lighter. I think one problem, if you have that giant backpacker bag, you just throw in those just in case items. Right. Uh, but yeah, the Tortuga is just, it's very simple. It's, it's very intuitive. And uh, I usually put stuff sacks in the main compartment. Right. Uh, and then it has, you know, some other zipper pockets right. here and here and actually a place for your laptop in the back uh, and other accessories. And it just one thing I like about uh, travel uh, equipment is not having to think about it. And I thought very little about this because it didn't really call attention to itself. It was a simple, uh, a simple bag. And um, it got me around the world. It, it, you, you wouldn't think. I guess I've known for a while that you that lighter is better when you travel long term, um, and I think when you, when your first travel you packed more film than clothes, right? You packed a, right. one one t shirt and eight hundred yeah. or five hundred rolls of film, right? Um, but yeah, this is sort of a no brainer. I, I I put stuff in it when I need to. I took it out when I didn't, and other than that, it was just under my bed or in an airplane bin. So um, right, right, right. I'm, a, I'm a big fan of the Tortuga. I think what has happened is that travelers. Fred, I, I've known this guy since it was in its prototype phase. Is that they're just they're designing bags specifically for something like long term travel. It's not for backpacking on trails. It's just very intuitively for overhead bins and throwing under your your bed at the hostel or the hotel. Right, right, right. And that's called um, Ortuga or Tuga. Tortuga, like the Tortuga. Uh, yeah, like are, isn't there like Dry Tortuga? Isn't that out out in the in the Florida Keys, there's a place called Dry Tortuga, T-O-R-T-U-G-A. Okay. All right. We'll have a link. And, and approximately how much does that cost? Oh, that's a good question. It's been so long. Um, I mean, maybe the $200 to $300 range. Okay. I'll have to have, have you put it in the show notes. I didn't I didn't yeah. look at the cost of this stuff because I got this. I probably got that in 2017 or 2018. So right, it's been right, a while. Right. It's in great shape uh, given how much you've used it. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's yeah. and and my wife my wife stole it from me on our most recent trip she liked it so much that she used it so okay great um so um a third tool that you would love to share okay uh, it's actually what i'm wearing this is a merino wool it, mm-hmm. it's both my t-shirt and my um and my hoodie here are merino wool and i've been a fan of merino wool as is my wife i was at travel con the, the yearly travel convention this year is in memphis my, my wife was on the little display floor and she said i'm going to go to that merino wool company and talk to them because i love merino wool yeah. merino wool is good because it doesn't hold odors it's pretty lightweight it's very versatile and and she got talking to the owner of the company dan and and she, he she asked he asked her why she was there. And she said, well, my husband is signing his book Vagabonding over here. And he's like, oh, I read Vagabonding. That was part of the inspiration for the company. So he, he gave us some clothes and I actually wore these in the Faroe Islands in Norway this summer. It was nice because Paris was super hot. It was over hundred degrees, whereas it could be pretty chilly in, in Norway and especially the Faroe Islands. And so these pack very small. I brought three of these Merino wool t-shirts and then this hoodie for hiking. And they, they really don't call attention to themselves. Sometimes these performance clothes look like you should, you know, they look like you're about to run an ultra marathon or something. Whereas these clothes, you know, you're not out of place sitting in a restaurant, uh, you know, or going to a museum either. Mm-hmm. And they're lightweight, they're durable, they're, they're versatile. Um, and I've, I've always liked Merino wool, but how fun is it that, uh, that unbound Merino uh, are vagabonding fans. And so uh, I got to test out their gear this summer and it was really great. So unbound is the, um, is the brand of Marina Wool is sort of a generic term, and then yeah. Unbound, and then there's like Smart Wool is another one, and then there's mm-hmm. the other one from New Zealand. Who was it? The uh, I can't remember Icebreaker or something like that. Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, it's in the last ten or fifteen years, uh, it's really become a thing. Uh, and so Merino is, I think it might refer to the kind of sheep it comes from or yeah. something. It's right. New Zealand centric, but Unbound is pretty new. Uh, but I just like it because it, it's functional and it's, again, I, I like travel gear that I don't have to think about very much. Sure. sure. Have you gone to the, um, Marina wool underwear yet? I haven't. I'm trying to think, I think I still use my old Patagonia Capoline underwear. Do, okay. you, do you use Marina wool? No, but my son has, um, I haven't gone that far yet, but, um, he also says the same thing, you know, it's odorless as mm. well. Um, Pretty rugged. I've I completely went over to Marina Wool socks long ago, and man, what a difference that makes. Yeah, uh, it's. I mean, because it's lightweight, because they're functional, and because they don't retain odor like other right, fabrics. Right. It's it's a really smart choice for the traveler, especially if you're traveling long term, and and you know clothes can get beat up and smelly over time. Right, uh, right, these right. are less likely to be that way. Right. So you so you like the Unbound branded of the Marina Wool. I do. Yeah. And it was fun. I, it was just, we, I accidentally ran into the owner a couple months ago. He sent me some of the clothes and they worked really well. And so I'm a fan of, of unbound uh, okay. products. Yeah. Great. So, um, so tell us about your fourth uh, cool tool. My fourth cool tool is almost the opposite of travel. It has to do with agriculture. Okay. Uh, Kevin, do you know the land Institute? Uh, in- yeah. West Jackson, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I could walk there from where I am right now. Um, my, my brother-in-law is one of the head scientists there. Okay. And so even though I'm a traveler, my roots go down in Kansas, um, literally and metaphorically. Um, and so they have, they are trying to develop a perennial polyculture, which is basically like 10,000 years ago in agriculture, they invented cultivation where you scrape mm-hmm. off the native vegetation and you plant food crops. Well, they're trying to develop a system wherein you have 
plants that are always there. You don't scrape off the soil and the roots stay deep. And then you'll harvest the grain off the top. And it's just, it's better. It's so much of farming is extractive. It's like you're sort of mining the soil for its nutrients and not giving anything back. And that's why we have to use so much fertilizer. The Land Institute is trying to solve that problem of agriculture. And starting in 2008, they started uh, breeding or developing a plant called Kernza. It's interme- intermediate wheatgrass. How do you say, now, how do you pronounce it? Kernza. Kernza. Uh, okay. So, so it's like a combination of kernel. And then Kanza, which is the uh, indigenous name for this part of the country. Okay. And and uh, so I have a actually because I have a, a family member at the Land Institute. This is a whole jar of kerns of flour that my wife has been using to make pastries and bread. And it's sort of a it's sort of an equivalent of wheat flour, um, but it's a little bit higher in uh, in fiber and protein. Mm-hmm. Uh, it tastes a little bit sweeter, but it's really to my palate, it's not that much different than wheat. But this is a plant that its roots go down 10 feet instead of six inches. It's a perennial plant and it's just more sustainable. And I think there's only like 3,500 acres of Kernza under cultivation in the United States. But I think if we can move towards Uh more of this perennial grain uh, and just get used to having in our food Uh and in our beer, then um, then we're just having a less extractive way of agriculture. And so So, I literally had some of this last night. So how, how do the cool tools uh, readers get hold of some of this? I'm not sure. You can go to landinstitute.org uh-huh. or you can Google Kernza. I know that there's locally, uh, there's a, a, a brew pub that makes Kernza beer. Okay. Um, it's just now transitioning into a consumer market. And I'm afraid I have nepotism on my side. I get it from my brother-in-law, so right, I'm not right, sure right. where you buy it. But I'm sure in, if not now in coming years, you can probably get it online and Fingers crossed, uh, eventually you'll be able to get it at the supermarket. Right. So maybe, or maybe even some seeds to plant. Correct. Yeah. And actually, if, if anybody in your audience is into farming or gardening, uh, it's it's worth giving it a try uh, because it's it's a grain like any other grain, but it's a perennial. Uh, the roots right, stay right. in the soil, and you you harvest it when it's when when the seeds right. are ready. Yeah, that's that's amazing. A perennial wheat. That's really cool. Um, Kernza. Okay. Um, we'll have what we know about it in terms of getting access to it in the show notes. So, yeah, yeah. so Ralph, you just um, completed a book, which you mentioned at the beginning of the show. Um, you had a really kind of a, I would say, a cult favorite in your first book, um, Vagabonding. And this is sort of an extension of that. I read it to cover to cover um, because um, it kind of speaks to me and my interest in travel and my and the importance I, I, I that I assign travel to a person's development. And so um, tell us a little bit about your book. Yeah, it's called The Vagabond's Way, uh, 366 Meditations on Wanderlust Discovery and the Art of Travel. Uh, it's my first hardcover book ever. I've uh, sold hundreds of thousands of copies of Vagabonding and I have a few other books, but this is the first time I have a hardcover. So I feel like an adult now. Um, (laughs) But it's a daily reading book. I actually got the idea during the pandemic when I met my wife, we would sit on the deck outside and we would read to each other from Mary Oliver or Thich Nhat Hanh or Thomas Merton. Uh, And one of the books we read was Brian Holiday's The Daily Stoic, um, which is a 
daily quote about by a Stoic philosopher and then a meditation about that quote. And so I realized that this would make a really good travel book, a book that talked about travel. I mean, it's not that hard to find about travel in that sort of top 10 list consumer options way. Mm-hmm. But travel, it can be really, and I, I'm sure you will agree because travel played a big role in your life. It can be transformative and you know, paying attention and being interactive and not just seeing it as a consumer product that you buy, but it's something you, that you give to yourself and that can change your life and can really uh, be your best form of education. Uh, and so each month uh, takes you through a different aspect of the journey. January is about inspiration. February is about planning. March is about getting started. Um, and you can read it cover to cover like you did, but it, it's sort of designed. It's, I don't prescribe you to read it anyway, but you it's sort of designed to sit to do one, one page a day where you read the quote and then you can think about that for a day and maybe Google some of the references. It has a lot of quotes. It quotes a lot of different philosophers and poets and artists about this very human act of travel. You know, you can, you can read a, about a Japanese traveler 800 years ago uh, or an American traveler 150 years ago and that human aspect of travel hasn't changed that much. You know, the, the act of pilgrimage, the act of passage, uh, is such uh, a human activity and it's really a way to get back to yourself and a way to sort of make you present in your own life. Um, right. So, yeah. Yeah. So th- they are, they're little one pagers. Each day has a page. There's a little quote and then your, your writing, um, your expansion of that, your contemplation. And um, I, I think one of the things I enjoyed about it was the variety of different voices in some senses, but the variety of the different directions that you could kind of imagine traveling, going, and you did a very good job, I think, of kind of surfacing the many dimensions that um, travel entails and um, in a kind of a very easy, again, one page way to, to digest. And I think it works on, I think it works a little bit better on our very um, shorter attention spans these days. Mm. <laughs> where where you don't have to kind of like I, I could read through it because I was just reading you know a couple at a time and um, easy to start and stop so so I, I recommend it in, in that way as well. Yeah, my publisher liked the idea because we our our attention spans are shorter. Even even I who doesn't like to think I have a shorter attention span yeah. than before. I, my attention is more fragmented, and so they really liked the idea of having these little one page chapters you could dip into and. It's it's not quite out yet as the, at the time we read it, but people who have read it said, oh, I started with my birthday or I started with today or I started with January 1st. And so it 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 if not encouraged, it, it doesn't discourage skipping around and dipping right. in and just sort of seeing seeing what m- might interest you. And there are practical elements, but there's also ethical and philosophical elements of travel right, that right, right. Uh, I encourage yeah. the. Yeah, I, I, I think I would. I, I do echo that, that there is sort of philosophical stuff, but also buried in there here and there woven through it are practical suggestions about how to travel better or improve your travel um which i have kind of slowly come to realize is a skill um there there really is um people who do it better and 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 you just you just used a word that kind of provokes something in my mind which is this idea of participatory travel this idea that travel is something that you are co-creating it's not something that you purchase or are done to or find you kind of have to co-create the travel experience um so you you kind of the more you put into it the more you take out yeah and i think there's a lot of ways 
I think you have to almost stumble into that realization that travel is really what you make of it. Um, and, and of course, I, I, I quote you in one of the pages in the book about you using photography as, as to sort of give yourself a mission, to give yourself uh, a lens through, no pun intended, a lens through which to view your journey. And of course, right, that's right. yielded uh, several books. And it also, it's, it gave you focus in a way that went way beyond photography. Right, right, right. right, right. Um, the, so the, the little, the little um, I, I, I just am doing a book of advice, which will come out in May. And one of my, I have some travel related advice, but one of the ones I have suggested and used within our own family is um, travel around passions rather than destinations. Hmm. All right. So, so, so if you kind of arrange your, your thing about like, I have a passion about, you know, cheese making or handmade dolls or, you know, bluegrass, whatever it is. And you use that to organize it, that you'll, you'll, it'll improve it much better than if you're going from place to place. Um, and so um, this idea of, again, of participating in it and putting stuff into it, reflecting it as um, something that you are um, co-creating uh, is very powerful. Yeah. And one, one thing that you talked to me in my, in my own podcast, I don't think I quoted it in the book, but like when you're young, you have more time than money. And when you're yeah. older, you have more money than time. Right. And I think you and I both started our long-term travels when we were young and had more time than money. And that's a good way of sort of forcing you into fixes that don't involve throwing money at the travel right, situation. Right, right, right. Um, it, yeah. It's almost a privilege to be able to be poor when you start traveling because you have to figure things out and be active. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, again, I had a, there was a moment I was in Nepal doing my own trek, you know, I didn't have porters or anything, which would have been unthinkable. Um, but there were a couple groups coming through with porters, you know, older people who had paid for a trip and they had porters and stuff. And there was, uh, I, I chatted with one of the guys who, who has a white beard like I do now. <laughs> he seemed to be an ancient guy at that time. And he was lamenting and just sort of marveling and very envious hmm. of the amount of time because he was like on, he was on a, he was on a schedule and he was just saying, and I, and I was like the first time I realized that he, he was obviously a rich guy and here he was, um, Envious of me with no money. It's like, oh, okay, I get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm richer than you are. So, so, so the um, again, the little piece of advice is uh, um, um, the rich have money and the wealthy have time. Hmm. Yeah, no, that's and a so, good way of thinking of it. Yeah. So you you you, you want to aim for wealth, not riches. Yeah. No, I talk about the idea of time wealth in the book. Yeah. And yeah. Exactly. Right. That's what we're talking about. So. Yeah. So if so, you know, again, we're both here. We're in total agreement that if you um, are young and don't have money, that's actually a good thing <laughs> when you're traveling. Well, it, it can get, it creates good habits because you yeah. have to be active. You have to. You can't just throw money at, at your travel problems, right. and you realize that it doesn't cost that much to solve your travel problems. Right, right, right. right. Um, another yeah. thing you. You were talking about Nepal. Um, I, have a, I have a chapter in the book about uh, how people are sort of fixated with climbing Mount Everest. And uh, Jamling um, uh, Norgay, the son of Tenzing Norgay, who first climbed it, he said he, he's just exasperated that these people who aren't really mountaineers want to climb Mount Everest just because it's the high, all they know is it's the highest yeah, mountain yeah, yeah. in the world. And so I think in travel goals, one nice thing about when you're young and you're just sort of doing what you can, yeah. you're less fixated on sort of these big abstract bucket lists, climb the highest mountain goals, and you're more likely to just enjoy whatever challenge comes your way. Yeah, again, like Nepal, there's so much going on there. You know, 
decide to go visit people who are painting tankas. And um, that'll give you much more out of it than trying to climb Everest in, in a thousand different ways. Um, not that there's nothing you, know, you can still. And by the way, there's other mountains besides Everest. Well, that's it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we, we can do a whole thing on, on travel advice, the two of us. Um, yeah. um, but I, 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 I think your book is a good starter for, for folks who want to, to understand that it's more about just um, taking a trip or, visiting a tourist site it's so much more it's very deep it's it's a it, it, it's a very um as you said a very essential part of human um experience and um we right now live in a time of the world when it's very easy to do and you really should take advantage of that privilege and again it doesn't matter how much money you have you, you really can do it that's that's sort of a, i think what we would both say you have the you have the privilege and the possibility of travel almost whatever station in life you are. There are some exceptions, okay. Yeah, I mean we we know that, but generally speaking, if you're listening to me right here, you have you you, you have some possibilities. Yeah, the more I've traveled, some I've met really smart people in countries with weak passports. Like if you have yeah. a U.S. passport or an EU passport, then. Really, that also means you're from an industrialized country and it really doesn't take that much to travel. And yeah, like we've both been saying, it's actually more interesting when you spend less money. And then you're taking the buses local people take. You're staying in the guest houses that local people yeah. stay at. You're going to restaurants where people that aren't in tourist neighborhoods, but they're full of people who live there. And, and yeah. that's such a great thing to discover and to give right. yourself. It's really less about making a ton of money than just giving yourself permission to use what money you have right. to uh, make your travel dreams come true. Right. Uh, I'll conclude our little rant here by saying that I, I believe it's so important that at least in the U S and maybe other developed countries that we should subsidize travel for youth. We mm-hmm. should actually pay. And um, I think, I believe that we should have a mandatory national service for every person, no matter who you are, no matter your handicapped or disability. You spend two years before you're 25 in national service, and that can include going abroad in the Peace Corps or something like that, some other um, program where you get outside of um, your neighborhood. And I think nothing would do more to um, transform and educate and improve the U.S. than having mandatory travel. Well, student debt is a huge thing right now. I think there's a lot of young people who are going to college without really knowing why. (laughs) And in a certain sense, for what you could spend for a couple of years of college, you could travel pretty well, really well. In fact, for a fraction of what it costs to go to college, you could travel really well and come back actually knowing what you're interested in. That's that's a great angle, which I totally uh, agree with. Well, Rolf, such a wonderful, great time to chat with you. People should look at your book, The Hold It Up Again, the title, The Vagabond's Way. And um, thanks for sharing with us your, your cool tools. Yeah, it's good to talk with you, Kevin. Great. We're glad that you enjoyed this issue of the Cool Tools Show and Tell. Just want to remind you that we have some other coolish material on our YouTube channel here. Please subscribe, comment, like. In addition, um, this Cool Tools Show and Tell is also available in an Audible podcast form. You can subscribe to it wherever you subscribe to other podcasts if you just wanted to listen. 
And if you're listening, know that there is a visual version of this on our YouTube channel where we're actually showing the tools and um, there's a little bit more of a visual component there. In addition, the same folks that put us, uh, the Cool Tools website out, we also put out a free newsletter every week. It's very, very short. It's one page or less. We recommend six very brief items um, that are very succinct, easy to read. You can deal with it in a couple minutes. And every week we bring to you the six cool things that we have uncovered and want to share. And it's called Recommendo with one M, recommendo.com. You'll be able to find it there. It's free. Join 50,000 plus other subscribers every Sunday morning. You'll get it in your email box. And it's actually one of the most popular things that we produce. But we do produce other newsletters as well. One of them is called What's in Your Bag. We have one that goes out to um, tools and tips for your workshop. So you can get those at our website um, and they're also free. And finally, um, I wanna mention the fact that um, we do have a Patreon and um, this uh, podcast and this vidcast are supported by Patreon supporters. The minimum is a dollar a month. And for that, you get um, an email to ask us anything. We'll respond and um, answer your question if we're able to. There are other higher levels. You can all see those at our Patreon page. And all those links are below right here. So thank you again for being a fan and um, we'll keep producing stuff if you enjoy it. Thanks. Thank you all to this week's patrons who include Jay Walker, Nikolai Teleguine, Charles Cowens, David Sue. Jack Unverfirth, Michael, Lawrence Lazare, David Abel, Edward Grobe, and Juiced Dozberg.